Welcome to Kashrus on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer. And I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashrus Magazine. And tonight we have a wonderful guest, Rabbi Tzvi Holland from the Star K. Are you there, Rabbi Holland? I'm here at Wickler. Okay. So without further ado, we'll get started right away and not, not discuss any other incidental issues. Uh, I asked you to come on the show because... You know, they, they, down there in Star K, they like you. So that's, they, they recommended it, and I think it will have a wonderful show. Do you tell me a little bit about your background? In other words, how did you get into Kashrus? Did you work in anything before? And, uh, you know, anything related? Give us a little bit of your back- background. Well, to tell you the truth, my interest in Kashrus comes from my interest in eating. Um, I eat every day, uh, at least once, sometimes many more times. And uh, because I keep kosher, so I have to know about Kashrus. Uh, my my understanding of kashrus comes not from uh, the kashrus world per se. Uh, when I was a when I was a yeshivabacher, I worked as a cook. In, I was worked as a cook in camp uh, under the late great Rabbi Shimon Eider Zatzal. Oh, you uh, were with Rabbi Shimon. You were in you were in camp with Rabbi Shimon Eider. Very, yeah. yeah. Oh, was yeah. a monk saying probably. No, no, he was he was he was the rov of Camp Romanu, uh-huh. uh, and I was in Camp Romanu the first three years of Camp Romanu. And uh, I worked in the kitchen uh, for two of those years, and that's where I got my sensitivity for. Uh, okay, I, I can't let you go past. I can't let you go past there. Tell me something. About, I mean, I, I was very close with Rabbi Eider, and I want to tell you, there's only a few people in the course of the 35 years that Kashrus Magazine is producing. There are only a few people that touched base with us on a regular. Contacted us regularly with ideas and innovations and ishkayachs, and you don't can't you, you can't know how many times he contacted us. He was like he was my my biggest support group, and uh, you know we dedicated the consumer alert section in our Kashrus magazine. It's very small, but it says it every single issue. It's dedicated to Rabbi Eider because Rabbi Eider was a special, special Jew. Tell me a little something, if you remember anything, uh, where he impacted on you know anything you heard from him or anything that impacted on the kashrus or even just in general. I just love to hear something if you have it. Well, we're, we're going to go back to like 1988 or 89. Go ahead. Uh, and uh, there were a lot of innovations that I discovered uh, working in the kitchen that Rabbi Eider was involved with. So the first one was is that just because there was a hexer on something did not mean that it was actually kosher. Uh, this is amazing. On, to, this, yeah, he was big on that. And when he, when he taught this, Hilkas Pesach, he used to say, this needs a hashkocha, and this needs a good hashkocha. <laughs> he used to make the distinction. Go ahead. This was amazing to me. I, I learned from him that just because there was a reliable hexer on a box did not mean that it was actually kosher. Um, that's because in those days, I now know... Uh, after many years, in those days, private labeling, which means when one company makes something for another company, not well tracked. Before the age of computers and uh, before the cashless boom, it wasn't well tracked. So you had an uh, industrial food service item uh, with a certain brand on it. The company was just the brand. You had no idea where it came from. And he would not allow a product into the kitchen unless he would, was able to trace down where each product came from, that the, wow. the hexer actually represented reality. To me, this was terrifying. Let's, let's, just, let's just hear this thing, because our listeners have to hear what you just said. What you said is, a private label product, even though it has an OU, or I'm sorry to say that on the show, a star K, or some other responsible hashkacha, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is certified by them because in it could have been... In those years, in those years, this has changed dramatically. In those years, there was no internet. There was no... There were, you know, cashless was not run from computers. And plants were certified as kosher, but there was not necessarily, you know, a clear tracking of every single, every single label that was made in every single plant. So you say and that... that to, you want to say that today we don't have this problem? I, I can tell you that today... Uh, if you go into the Universal Kosher Database, the UKD, which yes. is a shared database uh, spearheaded by the by four of the big cashless agencies, the OU, the STAR-K, the HUFK, the CRC, the COR, I believe, participates, some smaller agencies participate in it. Every, when they have a plant that makes 50 labels, there will be 50 different labels listed in the database. 
So if I want to check if something, the way, the way, the way uh, let's say a major agency's cashless works, is that when I receive a product and I want to approve it as an approved ingredient for my plant, if I can't find that it is valid in the database, that, it, that the database tells me that it's truly an up-to-the-minute, not only that it received a letter of certification at the beginning of the year, but that it's still live in the UKD as a certified product, it is not acceptable. There's no such a thing in internet, major international industrial cashiers to look at a symbol and that the symbol tells you that it's kosher. So, so you, 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 so you, we, we, verify, we verify with each other in a database that syncs every single night between the agencies. So you're saying... We verify... Yeah, you're saying that, that each the, thing is actually certified. But Rabbi Holland, you're saying that the cashless agencies are working together and that they have that information. I, as a consumer, do not have that. And when I go that's, to a store... That's actually, that's actually not true. Okay. That's actually not true. You can go to the website of any of the major cashless agencies and look up to see if the certification is valid. You will find it on star-k.org. Uh, you look at consumer products. You could have, there's, a, there's a list of letters of certification, companies by company, by category. Uh, on the oukosher.org, they have letters of certification. On kofk.org, they have letters of certification. On crcweb.org, they have letters of certification. On ok.org, there's letters of certification. You could search for certified products and, and see not only that the product is listed, but you could also see the conditions associated with the product. Does it require a symbol? Is it pyro? Is it milk? Is it meat? But that's is it chicken? Still, is it... That still doesn't do it. I, I, first, I have a lot of information on this I'm going to share with you in a minute. But, but, more, but more important, according to what you're saying, uh, if, 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 um, if a, this was the oldest thing in the book, if I'm, a, I'm ShopRite and I switch plants and go to plant B and tell them to send my labels to Pant B, so I'm going to have a product that's going to have the same, all the same designations, except for where it's made, but which is something that a consumer is never going to figure out from the letter of certification that you have on file, because it does not that specific. And it, now you say, that, no, it's, what you say with it does sound, sound terrifying to the consumer, and maybe at one time it was. Today it's not so scary, and I'll explain to you why. First of all, First of all, any real serious manufacturing plant, and I don't mean your corner pizza shop, but a serious manufacturing plant has all kinds of audits. And if they make a kosher claim, each one of their labels gets audited. Is there, is there a kosher certificate for that plant? So, for example, let's just take a company, uh, a company, a national company that has a certification, and they may have 25 plants. When that plant is audited, it's not enough to show that the company's main office has a letter of certification for their rice or peanuts or whatever it is. They have to show that that plant has certification for it. In addition to that, because all the major hexarium are federally, are federally registered trademarks, what happens is, is that there is a tremendous nuisance, what Halakha calls a great fear of violating federal trademark law, which is it has, carries with it tremendous consequences of, of sending labels to the wrong place. Furthermore, furthermore, um, there's also co contracts that bind each company that is certified not to do the exact thing that you described. And even so, and even so, a cashless agency, when we send Mashgitim into the field, we train the Mashgitim to pay attention to things that can identify where something like this goes wrong. So, for example, if a Mashgitim uh, goes into a plant and he checks that all the ingredients are kosher, that doesn't do the job for us. We want to make sure, we want to make sure that all the labels are correct. Right. And we want to make sure that all the products that are being made are correct. And if one product is discontinued, we want the Mashkiach to let us know so we can figure out where that product is coming from now. That's good kashrus, and that's what Star K does, and Yeyashe Koychacha. But I'm just telling you that that's not the whole story. First of all, Rabbi Shimon Eider was in the forefront of this problem, just like you said, way back in the 1980s, and he went to Rabbi Dombrov in New Jersey, and he said, you have an organization with teeth. You can sue these people. I want you to call in the ShopRite and the, or the, well, the, all these, uh, these, you know, these supermarket chains. Call them in and do an audit. And he did. 
And constantly, 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 they were finding violations. And even till about two years ago, there was a major one of these uh, where they were caught, two or three years ago. So it's not, it's not over with. Maybe it's reduced, but it's not over with. I just want to share with you something else that, that, uh, that, that happened. I'm not going to mention the names, but it's one of the big five hashkachas. And it's not 100 years ago. Four years the product was out. Four years the product was in the street. And it wasn't unauthorized. For four years. And I reported it to the cautious agency. And then they tried to make a recall. But it was hard because no, now it was no longer owned by that company. And that company ended. And other people picked up the schaira. And they were selling it off in the cheap stores. There was plenty of so many places it was almost impossible to track it all down but that's the kind of stuff that goes on i i think i mean i'm putting out the magazine for 35 years and we still have unauthorized this unauthorized that and a lot of them are with the same companies that are being certified so there are mistakes taking place right there under the certifications and uh you know it 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 is um i i you're right this is a different one than that let's say I don't believe that this is being taken care of. And, I, and now, that, that now that Rabbi Dabra is no longer in charge with, in New Jersey, and there is no real kosher enforcement law either in New York or New Jersey, it's all just this new kind of thing that they have. And they have no teeth, and they don't practice it with teeth. Occasionally, they do give a fine in New Jersey. New York cannot give any fines. So basically, we, our hands are tied. I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to argue with you. I hear, I hear what you're saying. I respect what you're saying. I, 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 you're right as far as the cash agencies go, but I'm sorry, as far as I as a consumer, I don't feel that I'm being protected. Well, it depends to what level. Right, let me give you an example of it quickly. You might find interesting. Um, there, as anybody who reads Cashless Magazine knows that there are consumer alerts and there are recalls. And, uh, you know, obviously the agencies are supposed to track down whether those recalls happen. Um, it's true that if an agency is, if a company is certified and they, you know, they violate to do somewhere else, that, you know, you might have that challenge. A consumer will never know. But what happens when somebody produces and they're not certified? Now, this recently happened. Um, I, I was actually involved. I actually met the company. There's a company that purchased product from a company overseas that had a star K on it, and the company never asked for a letter of certification. And it's lucky they didn't because there was none. There was no letter of certification. The whole thing was made out of uh, whole cloth, meaning that the, the product was never certified by us. And there was no letter on our website, and there was no, the company did not exist in our world. The brand did not exist in our world. And, a, and an alert consumer who was shopping in a shop, right? We've got to give Wakefront Corporation some credit. We're shopping in a shop, right? He saw the product, and he said, that doesn't look like a kosher product. Why didn't he think it was kosher? And, Why didn't he think it was kosher? What kind of thing was it? Well, it's because one of the ingredients was cheese. And cheese from overseas, kosher cheese from overseas, is, is, as an ingredient, is almost unheard of. In the United States, you could have kosher cheese as an ingredient. We see it on all kinds of products. We see it in call, all, ki- all kinds of products. But from overseas, it's not the... This guy is very sophisticated. This guy was very sophisticated. It was a very sophisticated consumer. Very sophisticated. The consumer saw the product. He stood in the aisle and called our office. Yeah. And he was transferred to the rabbi who deals with this kind of enforcement. And the rabbi said to him, why are you calling me? He says, well, I already looked on your website, and I see that this is unauthorized. So the rabbi hung up the phone, and he already, because he does enforcement, he has relationships with the supermarket companies, and he knew he was in a shop, right? So he worked for a corporation. And ShopRite immediately said, well, let's look in our inventory. They found it in four stores. And they immediately removed it from all the shelves and notified the distributor that they were going to be returning the product because it had an unauthorized certification on it. Now, the distributor, the distributor claimed that, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. They bought a product. Somebody else told them that it was kosher. Right. But that distributor, that distributor uh, did cooperate with us. And they... And they recalled it from all of the locations that had it, and the certification was removed. Uh, they actually they actually had somebody go into the warehouse, and we verified this, and blot out the hechsher from every single bottle and every single box of product. And and uh, there was a happy ending to a happy ending to the story. And the company that sold to them this product 
uh, will no longer be a supplier to the company who purchased it. So sometimes it does work very nicely. Well, we went um, into that story. It, it, I, I'm let, my, my listeners are, are, are really interested in this kind of stuff. Maybe you just tell us what you talked about federal trade laws. What motivated? Why would the company, a stock, you know, an OU is something that's almost like, I don't want to say, take anything away from the stock, but OU is like the best known for, for a million yeah, years. Yeah, OU is the biggest, certainly the biggest right. brand in, in, and the in kosher, okay, the most recognizable kosher symbol. Right, and the OK is something that people could almost innocently copy because it's a K in the circle. It's, but the star K is a little unique. And, uh, you know, why did they end up with the star K? It all depends on what country you're in. There are some countries where, there are some countries where in the export business, Star K is a very common, right. is a very very common, a very common certification, and it was from one of those countries. But why? Do you, so they so they just thought they'd get away with it. They there was the or the, oh, it happens. It happens all the time. Right. It happens all the time. Especially it from, happens all the time. Especially in China, I see these letters of certification flying around. People are making up false letters. I can't constantly seeing that. Well, that that's the mag, that's the magic of of the UK the Universal Kosher Database. We right. no longer rely on the letter. We, we rely on live data that we share with each other. A letter, a letter is, it, it, we only accept a letter from agencies that do not participate in the UKD. And usually we have to call them to verify that the certification is still, uh, you know, is real and it's still, it's still in force. So, so as a regular rule of thumb, Rabbi Holland, would you agree that our listeners, if they see a new product that they're not familiar with, especially if it's foreign, and it has Ashkacha on it, even though it's a reliable Ashkacha, it, it deserves either a call or a check on the database from the Cognizant Agency. A- absolutely. In fact, I'll tell you that something I didn't tell you about myself is that I really only worked at Starkey for about three years. I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for almost 13 years, right. where I was the founding Rosh Kolo of the Phoenix community. And as a, as, a, as a developing, what you would call maybe outreach community, Kashrus was a very, very big part of our work, which I, I always told people that my, my understanding of Kashrus, which maybe was more advanced than some of, some of my uh, colleagues around the same age, was because I spent a lot of time with Rabbi Ida. Um, we were very sensitive to things like that. So, for example, right. when you went to a dollar store, which had products coming from all over the place, I found products all the time <laughs> that, that, that had Hexerim, but the Hexerim were not backed up by anything real. Right, they were not. They, they didn't exist on the, on their company's website. And our people should know that in the dollar stores, the ninety nine. We it's no dollars. We have ninety nine cent stores. In the ninety nine cent stores, they they they're going to have very often products that were m- mislabeled and are supposed to be destroyed or shipped out of the country and somehow make it back into this country or never really left the country and they end up in these stores where they dumped it. That, that's definitely a possibility. What I found mostly was that I found products that, that were, it was just hard to believe that they were kosher uh, because we never heard of these brands before. In some cases, we found that they really were kosher. In some cases, we found that uh, they, they were, like you say, mislabeled or, or unauthorized or something like that. One of the interesting things, maybe you can help me with it is when I, when I call up a cashless agency and I say, this is unauthorized, or I think this is unauthorized, or sometimes the other way around, they, they tell me it's unauthorized. And then a few days later, they tell me it is authorized. So obviously, they didn't know that they were giving the private label because it may not, maybe there's not no private well, label agreement. Well, I'll tell, you, I'll, I'll tell you what does happen. What does happen, and I've experienced this, you know, administrating a company where I have to have all my... All the approved ingredients in the plant need to have certification, and we will find that something's not certified, and then all of a sudden, you know, we find out it, it, it is indeed acceptable, meaning it did not fit. Is that sometimes, sometimes you'll have a company that will make such a mistake, but the cashless agency, when 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 receiving the information, they discovered that it really is kosher. So it could be that when you called, it was unauthorized, but subsequently they authorized it because it was just paperwork. All they have to do is write a letter of certification for it. After they verify that it indeed is made, you know, under un, under supervision, and they have to get paid for it too. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little well, charge. That, you know, that's, you know that, that's an interesting point. Um, cash just costs money because there's work. So right. companies pay for certif- pay for certification. Right. They also pay for organic certification or vegan certification right. 
non-GMO certification or food safety certification. And there's work that goes into, or there should be work right. that goes into that that, go, that goes into it. So, for example, um, I can only tell you about the Star K. So, Rav Heinemann, who's the who's the role of the Star K, and, and and really every every one of the unique things about Star K is that is that we're one person. The buck stops with one person. He's the Harry Trutler, if one could say that. Um, and Rav Heinemann feels that if we certify something, even though a visit is not required to confirm that it's kosher. But certification implies that we visit. So, for example, if we certify rocks or water or dirt, not that we certify dirt, but if we would, we would visit at least once during the term of certification, be it a year or two years or whatever it might be, because the implication of a certification is not a psak. It's not a psak, water is kosher, but rather it's that we verify that the water is kosher. How do you verify? You have to go visit it. So there's work involved. For a private label, there's work involved as well. Somebody has to fill out a form. It has to be answered in the database. A letter needs to be written. We have to assign a value to the cost of that. Each agency has, a different, has different overhead. They're in different cities. They have different rent. They have different pay scales. They have different missions. You know, not, you know, some agencies are, are, they could be a for-profit agency. Uh, it's owned by somebody. An agency could be a non-profit, but it could have a mission to raise money for a cause. Uh, the Star K happens to be a single mission nonprofit. I believe the only one of the major agencies that's a, a nonprofit dedicated exclusively to kosher. I mean, we don't do anything else. But even so, it costs us money. Uh, every time somebody somebody uh, needs a private label done, there's four or five people that have to touch it in order for the, the private label to happen. And, and of course, those things cost money. That's not a lot of money. We, people should the people should know the amount of money that the, they pay for a private label can be very very low. So, right, it could be a few hundred dollars. Right, and and some companies who are dedicated to making private labels, when they at least I, the ones that I've been involved with, some of them the way they work is since their whole business is about private labels, when they pay their annual certification fee, it includes every private label they could possibly want. Uh, they just need to execute legal agreements for each one. Right. We, we, didn't, we didn't get even started yet, and, and it's already 6.20, and I, I, I got sidetracked. I was still, you're still in your kitchen there, but I got a caller. Let's take the caller, and I'll go back to you. Go ahead. You're on the air. Go ahead. You're on Cautious on the air. Yep. Can you, we, Hello? Yes. Can you, we help you? Yes. Um, I just wanted to uh, tell you about uh, something that happened to me. I was working in a store, and... Um, it was similar to what the rabbi was saying, where um, the customer walked in and said, uh, this is not certified for Passover. It was an aluminum pan. And I said, um, as far as I know, it is. But let me call the distributor. The distributor um, got back to us and faxed us a certification letter, which we hung up without even realizing that the date uh, on the certification letter was an expired date. Uh, we, we hung it up. A customer pointed out that it was an expired date. So we called back, and the distributor said, no problem. Uh, we'll call back and find out what's going on. They called back the company. The company went ahead and um, and uh, accidentally and somehow got my fax number. And I got copies of all the letters uh, going from the cashier agency saying that they didn't pay for this year's certification. And since they didn't pay for this year's certification, um, it's not certified. Um, then they sent a copy of the check showing that they're sending it out. And uh, a few minutes later, another, another fax came through that it is certified. Um, wow. So sometimes something could be certified, kosher, but because, like you're saying, things cost money, and if the company didn't send it over yet, then they're not going to want to say that it's kosher because if we're going to stand behind it, we have to send somebody down to check the place and to whatever it is. Um, it doesn't mean that that because of that, it's only a matter of money. Yeah, of course it's only a matter of money, but money is really going for the person going down there to check the plant. Um, I think they call it like a kosher audit, where they'll have the mashkiach go down there every now and then, check up with the engineers, with whoever it is, go through all the paperwork and go through all the, all, all the computerized systems they have there, depending on what the product is. Um, but when if, if just a layman sees something like that, they right away get turned off and say, oh, sure, these rabbis just want to get paid. And that's really not the case. Um, that's not why it's, it's being done that way, but it's just one of the steps that you have to do. Just like if you'd want something certified by any government agency, 
to sell it in America, UL listed um, appliance cord or anything like that. If it's a, if it's a cord that's not uh, UL listed, uh, you won't be able to sell it here. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not safe, uh, but you need that certification in order to verify that that's the case. Thanks a lot. Thanks for calling. Take good care. Uh, we're we're going to go back to the Rabbi, our, our guest today, which is Rabbi Tzvi Holland from the Star K. And uh, a couple more minutes, and then we'll take another break. I see we're getting callers already. I didn't even ask for it, but they're calling in. So Rabbi Holland, I didn't get to anywhere yet. I want to know, what do you do with the Star K? What is your job? What, what basically are some of the things that you do there? I hate when people ask that question. <laughs> um, I do what they tell me to do. My official titles, I'm, I, I am a cashless administrator. I, I'm, I'm dedicated to special projects. I do things that require uh, maybe a special touch or have a certain level of complexity. Uh, my background as a relevant Irish total, uh, living out of town, uh, offered me a, a, an opportunity to get involved in very, many, many, many different areas. So, it, so I, I apply the things that I learned uh, in the field uh, to my cashless work. So... I do all kinds of different things. Without giving are, us any are, names, give us an idea of some of the things. Give me an interesting story, but we don't, we'll leave the name of the company out. We don't need it. Well, I, I mean, one of, one of the areas that I'm, I'm very active in is, is the area of shita. Uh, okay. That's because of a, pers- a personal interest. That, that not only is a, I have a personal interest in it. Uh, when we learned Chulun uh, in Arizona, we, we actually we learned shita. Uh, but... But it, it, I have it in my blood. Uh, back to Europe, my family were my my great great. I told my great great grandfather. Two my great grandfathers. One was a shirkhet, one was a butcher. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm very interested in shita, and I do a lot of work in the Starcade shita department. Uh, Starcade does not accept uh, meat unless we visit it. Uh, meat is a very very interesting field. Uh, all the rules of the regular world of kashrus that is organized and systematic uh, fall by the wayside. Uh, the meat industry is a complex, uh, fast-paced, and constantly changing, uh, constantly changing place. There's no two plants that are the same, and uh, I'm very active in, in the Starcase Shita program. Um, I've traveled to, I traveled to uh, all over North America, uh, Latin America, South America, and uh, I've, uh, you know, I hope I've made a, I've made a positive impact. Uh, one of the things interesting. An interesting vignette about the Sarkis Shita program is that we have a very interesting certification that never, ever comes to the United States. Sarkis is responsible for the Shita of the Ashkenazi community in Mexico City. And Mexico City, as many people know, has a very, very large Hashiv uh, from community, and Kailulim, uh, and so on and so forth, Yeshivas. And a certain number of years ago, for whatever reason, uh, that preceded me, uh, the Sarkis the uh, Star K received a request from the Ashkenazi community to take responsibility for its shechita. And that is something that the Star K does. Uh, uh, it's basically a labor of love, and uh, it never comes to the United States. So I get to go to Mexico every so often, and I'm constantly in touch. We send the Rosh Hashach from every single week from the United States to Mexico City. Uh, we usually shech two or three times a week there, and uh, it, it offers a whole, a whole other side uh, to the world of Shita. Um, another thing that I do is I've been involved in a lot of large corporate certifications where you can have one company that has many, many plants and it had many, many different hechsherim. And their kosher program was confused, inefficient. Uh, oftentimes they were frustrated. Although I don't believe necessarily that it was anybody's fault, but when you deal with 23 different rabbinical societies, as they tend to call them, and there are 23 different standards and 23 different sets of expectations and sets of paperwork and 23 different fees. They, they don't quite understand what this kosher thing is all about. How do, and, they, uh, how do they work as far as mashkichim? Is one mashkich for the 23, or is there more than one? <laughs> well, it, it really depends, and that's, that's really you know, one of the challenges that some of these companies struggled with is that some, sometimes they had a few different hechsherim in the same plant, and they didn't see all the other hechsherim auditing. What really was happening probably is that each Hachshu was paying the same mashgir to make a report to them. And the reason why, again, the world of private labels, the reason why there were so many Hachshu is because maybe a company had a bunch of different private label companies that they made for, and each one had a previous relationship with a different Hachshu. So nobody really was doing anything wrong, but for the company that was the manufacturer, 
uh, it was a very, very difficult uh, and challenging situation. So we spent a couple of years streamlining their kosher program and unifying it into one hachshir, one set of standards, one, <laughs> one set of applications, one set of paperwork, uh, one set of fees, of course. And uh, that's a very, very, very interesting challenge. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the things that I, one of the things that I uh, uh, merited to do uh, over the last six or seven months is that uh, when our, our neighboring Vatarabonim, the Vatarabonim of Washington, uh, asked for help uh, to help uh, to help administrate the kosher program because their administrator was retiring, um, I, my family, my wife's family comes from the Washington, D.C. area. My in-laws were very involved in building the Torah community here. And uh, I got volunteered. I say that very carefully. I got volunteered uh, to be uh, on loan to the Washington Rabbinical Council, to the capital K, uh, to help them administrate their kashas. It's a two-year program. And, uh, you know, I got to do all kinds of things that I normally don't do. Uh, that is food service, kashas, restaurants, caterers. In fact, I... I uh, was responsible for the APEC policy conference uh, in March this past year, which is the largest kosher event in the right, world. Right. 16,000 people, right. uh, about 40 mashkichin, uh, for about a week, about 24 hours a day. Uh, it was really a very interesting experience. That, that sounds very exciting. But I, I was interested in some of the other stuff you said. I, I, when I tried, it wasn't going to stop you. I, I, the 23 people, that story over there, the 23 organizations... That was a tremendous kiddush Hashem because they saw the Jews are really not whatever they thought when they when they see that they could work together. It was a big kiddush Hashem what you did over there. I'm sure of it. But and the, but the yes, yes. And, is, in fact, the company the company has retained many of those Hashem for whatever reason. It's just that we're organizing all of them. Right. No, that, uh, but they see you can organize it. That's the beauty because a lot of these organizations, uh, the companies, are being told that uh, you know they're being to- they're being told that uh, the Jews don't get along, and they just you know they're fighting each other. So when they no, see, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story. I was in Artisol a few weeks ago, and uh, I went to Artisol for non-cashless reasons. And when I, while I was there, at the question of the senior rabbi, at the star K rabbi, Eliyahu Schumann, who's a legend in the world of kosher certification, he said to me, you should go, go, go visit the Eid HaRedes. So uh, he arranged me a meeting at the Eid HaRedes. Well, I was having, I went to, went to meet uh, my nephew, my, my brother-in-law lives in Eretzel, and nephews are Israelis, so I'm the American uncle, and Americans, you know, I think that Israelis believe that we're Jewish, they're not 100% sure whether we're religious or not. So, I'm, I'm kidding. And so I came in, and I, I was having dinner with them, they said, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, I'm going to the Eid So they said, what are you doing to the I said, well, you know, you know we, we, we work together with them, of course, and, you know, what do you mean you work with the Eidechredes? Eidechredes can't accept a product from, from the Star K. They can't accept a product from anybody. So I smiled at them. I said, no, it doesn't work that way. In the complex world of industrial, uh, industrial ingredients, everybody has to get along. And that's the criticism you're talking about. It's really impossible for any agency to take products that are only theirs. That's impossible uh, because there are so many different products. The world is globalized. And there are many, many different hashirins, and you know, each hashir needs to uh, deal with the ingredients that come to its factories, and they can come from all over the world. And hashirins really do work together a lot. I know people talk that people talk about competition and politics and business or whatever it is, but to me, I, I, I look at the, that's the, that's maybe bottle the elf. I look at all the cooperation. Everybody's working together. We have shared standards. We share information with each other. We share databases with each other. And that's really, that's really uh, well, the way it should be. Beautiful. I, I, we're going to take a call. I, I really have other other stuff, but we're going to take a call right now. Go ahead. Yaron Kasher is on the air. Go ahead. Hello? You're on the air. Hello, I'm on the air. You're on with Rabbi Holland, Rabbi Tzvi Holland from the Star K, and Rabbi Yosef Wickler from the Kasher's Magazine. Go ahead. Yes. First, I want to thank you for your wonderful Kasher's program. It's very informative. Very important, but I would like to ask you about. I think Coles puts it out spoon size shredded wheat. <laughs> who puts out? Uh, oh, you there? Uh, one second, one second. One second. First of all, I, you're asking about a specific thing about a food. I mean, first of all, Rabbi Holland is nothing about this. He's working with the Star K. You want to know about what? Then OU on a, on a, a OUD? Is that what your question is? 
I don't know if it's OU or Sarke, a spool side shredded wheat by post. That would Have probably be okay. I would assume it's the okay, isn't it? Isn't the uh, okay on post? Yes. yes, post is an okay company. You have to call, call the okay at 756 7500. 718 but is that okay? Uh, I, 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 we, on this show, we don't say that this hashkoch is good. Oh, hashkoch is, I understand. 756 7500 No, 756-7500. Okay, 718-8. 718-8. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. Have welcome. Thank you. Uh, before we go on to anything else, let me take a moment to talk about our sponsor, which uh, does tie into the Star K. That's uh, the Glotmart. Glotmart is conveniently located at 1205 Avenue M. When you think of Glotmart, think of price, service, convenience, and quality. Whether you shop for a few items or for full wagon load, you can save plenty of money by shopping at Glotmart. At Glotmart, you save time using their valley parking service. Just pull into Glotmart from the East 12th Street entrance. They'll park the car for you and have it ready to load up all those special items you purchased in the store. And the Glotmart, the quality of meats is A1, with kosher certification from both the Star K and the Vatikashas of Flatbush, with Beis Yosef meats, and with expert Nikor at Glotmart, you're getting quality kashras. Glotmart is at 1205 Avenue M, meaning your shopping needs is their top priority. If you meet Dove in Glotmart, tell them you heard about Glotmart on Kashras on the Air over Jayhut Radio. And here are some of the specials that are going on right now. Family pack chuck ground beef, Four ninety nine a pound silver tip roast nine ninety nine a pound top of the rib eight ninety nine a pound veal spare ribs eight forty nine a pound and raw tilapia fillets three dollars and twenty nine cents a pound fantastic spray cleaners thirty two ounce two thirty nine Domino sugar four pounds one ninety nine post cereals uh, almost all of them two sixty nine. And now we're back to our guest, who is Rabbi Tzvi Holland from the Star K, and we're talking about his world of uh, involvement with kashras. And we've gotten a little bit into the game, not too far yet. I, I had down on the questions to ask you. I, I don't hope you don't going to be upset. I want to know, what do you find the hardest part of your job? And maybe it's talking to me. But what, <laughs> to, to, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you, the hardest part of my job is associated with, your, with the commercial you just... With the commercial you just... Uh, Okay. You just broadcast. Beautiful. You, you, you talked about Glotmart. Right. Glotmart, Glotmart is an extremely unique institution. Right. It is the last, I believe it's the last butcher shop in Brooklyn. Although, no, I take it back. There may be a few, one in Williamsburg as well. Using and one in truth. Park. They're using truth. But, yeah, but it's the last butcher shop in Flatbush. Correct. That Trabers and Kashers its own meat. Right. Now, they, it, they do, everything you said is true. It's great quality. They could the meat, the shop, most of the meat is shot in Baltimore. It's a famous slaughterhouse that serves the best, the best to try for restaurants in Manhattan, and we get the kosher. That's true. But what, I'll tell you what's frustrating for me. What's frustrating for me is that people don't understand that the vast majority of kashras is really verifying that something is already kosher. But when it comes to meat, you can't verify that it's already kosher. You have to make it kosher. From the shrita to the, tag, the proper tagging of the animal to the proper nikur, the trabering, the koshering of the meat, it has, to be, it has to be made kosher. That's what we call it in Yiddish, kosher gemach. And we live in a time where, you know, unfortunately, the vast majority of people, even Rabbanim, are not familiar with this area of kashras. We, we, we treat meat like we treat uh, everything else. You look at a label, and nobody really knows what goes on beyond the label. I remember Rabbi Ida once said, and, and it really made a tremendous impression on me, and it drives me till today. He says, that when you see a fancy hachshah that looks very holy, like with lots of Hebrew words and scribbles, be careful. Be careful of those hachshahim, because they're trying to convince you of something. When you see a hachshah that's a symbol that represents an organization, a rav, whatever it is, he says, then you know who's responsible. But if they're trying to impress you, beware. And to me, to me I always find it interesting. I always find it very interesting that people who who have the opportunity, people who are so interested in kashras, so interested in halacha, but they totally miss the whole area of meat. They, 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 they rely on information that, that you, know, we, we, you know, we have baba mices. You know, we tell people that, we tell people all kinds of baba mices about all kinds of things. So it's, it's, if everybody says something, everybody believes it to be true. And it's the same thing when it comes to kashras of meat. Nobody really, it's so far away from us because it's so much cheaper. 
to process the meat where the animals are rather than to process the meat where the people are because of the advent of refrigeration. So where it used to be every single row in every single city and every single housewife was familiar with the halachas. Every woman knew, she had, knew what a shiloh was, if she had a choice of chicken or not. Today, we don't have such things. People have, people have no idea what they're eating. And people say, oh, I only eat this. Why? I don't know. They don't know. They have no idea what they're eating. They have no idea why they're eating. And one of the things that I've, I've, I've merited to be involved in is to try to educate people about meat. Uh, one, one a good example is we have a program at the Star K called the Star K Kosher Classroom. It's a series of posters that are practical halachic posters. Many of them, the vast majority of them, have to do with kashas. And they are made for schools. We showcase them. It's actually Torah Masora's idea. We showcase them at a recent Torah Masora convention. And they're available uh, at Torah Masora's Creative Learning Pavilion, ichinuch.org. And one of those is a poster with vivid pictures of common shilas of trefus and packaged chicken. And this is an effort that we have to try to educate people that, that there, is, there are shilas, there are things that people need to know, even though your, your chicken comes with a hefshah. We have one coming out about how to cash your liver, also a, a, an unfortunate lost art. We run programs for younger lights, for interested parties, to learn what about liquor and cashering and shechita. Uh, we just had uh, uh, a large group of younger lights in Baltimore. Their Heinemann took them himself to the shechitas in Baltimore. It, it's, something that, it's something that I think is, it, that's the most frustrating thing to me. People have no concept, no concept of what's going on when it comes to meat. It can be very sophisticated when it comes to cereal. When it comes to meat, they haven't a clue. So that's my most frustrating thing. I, I think, to let, to I think teach that's people a, about this. So what what are we? What, so what you did is, or what Star K is doing is putting out these posters, and that's the, the method. well. Well, in addition, in addition to the posters, we run we, we run we run programs. We expanded our 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 education programs from Baltimore. We've started to do them in Lakewood as well. Uh, we have a request for such a program in Brooklyn, and if there would be enough people, we would do it here in Brooklyn. In fact, we might even do it in Glotmark. Uh, to show people, to show people uh, nikker and shrita and kashering, etc. Um, well, nikker and, and shrita, uh, you know, you're not going to do shrita. In nikker, uh, you know, the people won't be able to figure it out anyway. So, I mean, oh, I, I, right. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that they work. We have a video that Rafaelman made it many years ago. The video is available online. Uh, a video of Rafaelman doing nikker. You watch it enough times, you get an idea. Uh, you get an idea. Yeah, I've seen it a number of times, but I still don't have an idea. But I'm not, I'm not well, trying to study it. But, well, but, let me but, tell you, we have trained in the last few years a significant number of people in NICA, and we have young, there aren't many who are interested, but we've trained a few young shakhtim, and, and uh, that, that, that more important than any of those things is we've traveled the country and met with Rabbanim, with Rabbanim and Vadakashis around the country to educate them about the black kosher meat industry. I've traveled with uh, Reverend Mayor Kurtzfeld, uh, the Assistant Director of Supervision at the Star K, who's, uh, like uh, Reverend Hanneman, is, always looks for people to work for him who know how to do the thing that they're supervising, Reverend Kurtzfeld and Shachet Abadik and And we traveled together to a few different cities uh, to teach, to, to present to the Rabbanim, to share with them the information that we have about the black social media industry and what goes in to making a, a piece of black social meat. And, and educating the rabbinic is maybe more important than anything else. I think and it's a wonderful listening, If you're interested, give me a call. We'll come to you as well. No okay. charge. No, no, I think, I, think it's a, I think it's a wonderful idea, and I think you should do something with Gladmart. I think that people should know what, what really is going into this. It's not, it's not, a, it, 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 not just at the last place, but it's something... I send people all the time, by the way, to Gladmart to see it. A lot of people learning... Uh, the halachos, and I tell them, they ask me, where can I see it? I say, the only place you can see it is Glabmar, and I send them there, and they're all amazed. They're all, very, they're all very, it's a tremendous uh, education to all of them. Very, very important thing to do. All right, so let's go. We have a caller here. Let's take the caller. Go ahead. You mind, Kashus on the air. Can we help you? Yes, I want to. He said he had a question, uh, a guideline about packaged chicken. He said that he has <laughs> posters. You can go to ichinuch. Dot org e c i h i m u c h dot org, or the schools can order it. I suppose directly from Star K. No, you could download it. You, you could download, download it. it directly. Just search for Star K. Okay. Because sometimes I, I buy packaged chickens, and there's 
the black and blue marks on the chicken legs, or sometimes I once had a, the, the chicken, but the, the leg was mamish broken. Right. I know in the olden days they would have said, uh, don't use the, don't well, use no, that it depends, chicken. Depends how it, but today... It, it, no, it depends how it's broken, if you can, if you can tell it's after the shrit or not. But, but I can't go into that really now because it's a little harder with the phone. But okay. there is a very wonderful safer that you could get, Hulin Illustrated, which has pictures, about 15 pic- pictures. Rabbi Avram, uh, what's it, Ort? What's his last name? Uh, Avram uh, Wright. Rabbi Avram Wright. He was on the radio show with me. Rabbi Avram Wright. In fact, uh, people know his wife, the famous uh, lady who runs, who runs the uh, classes for ladies. Um, so so if, you, if you go to any store, look at Fahulin Illustrated. It's a, maybe it's a $20, $30 book, but it's a beautiful book. And in there, there's 15 pages that are beautiful. And uh, that, that, that's, that's very ex- much explained. That's re- if you want to go a step further. And I've tried, we once tried to get uh, copies of it to, to send to people, but right now I, haven't had, I don't have any connection for that. But, okay, uh, okay. Sure. But Thank definitely, his first step would go to the, go to, go to the Star K and get that. Download it from ichinuch.org. Okay, thank you very much. Now, uh, before we go on to talking a little more, if anybody would like to call us, it's already quarter to seven. We can be reached at 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. There were a lot of people who texted in. I think they gave up, some of them. Um, yeah, let's see if I can get one that would be appropriate. <laughs> Uh, I think that most of the questions I think most of the questions are not appropriate for us right now so we're going to go on back to our, our talk and if anybody would like to call 718-683-5858 if you want to text us there's still another 15 minutes 347-927-8398 another uh, thing that I was thinking about well, you, you already talked about what you think people should know about kashras, but I asked, I also asked you wanted to talk about what do you think people should know about the star K? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, I'm an outsider in the world of industrial kashras. Um, I, uh, my background really is I was a, I was a Raman in the Mir, I was a Rosh Tolu in Phoenix and a Rav, and I came to kashras sort of backwards. Um, and uh, what, one of the things that I like about the Star K is that the Star K is a very, very uh, special organization. It's, we're, it's only about cashless. Uh, it's a true nonprofit. There's no, there's, no, there's no profit sharing. There's no commissions. In fact, one of the things that Heinemann told me when I joined the Star K is the only thing you could really do wrong is you're not allowed to take any food for free from anybody. That was a big deal for him. That, uh, that, uh, that he, the first and foremost is Elchite. If you don't have Elchite, we, we, we can't do what we do. And it's, it's wonderful to work in an organization that you could believe not, you could believe not only in the cashers, but you could believe in the ashes uh, of the organization. It's an it's, uh, extremely talented group of Rabbanim, uh, B'nai Yeshiva, all B'nai Torah, who uh, really, really know what they're doing. In every area, there's somebody who is, who is an expert. Whatever we need on any part of the globe, in any part of the uh, world of food and uh, food ingredients, uh, we have somebody who can support us. Uh, so it's really, it's really, uh, really a nice place to be. Okay, let's take a caller. Go ahead. You're on Kasha's on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello? You're on the air. Yes, um, I'm curious, what do you think of selling chickens already quartered? And then if there's a shiler on one quarter, you don't know where the other three quarters are. Mm-hmm. Well, the halacha is at that point that it doesn't matter. But she's because an open that's an open halacha in Shulchanah. She's asking maybe but, maybe it's not an appropriate thing because really what we're doing is we're creating a situation where we can never find the other three parts. This is a shaila from time immemorial. Again, it's an open it's an open halacha in Shulchanah. Your chickens, when you see a chicken, uh, by right. the time you get to a chicken, it's been checked over numerous times by people who really really know. Had a check, had, had a check of chicken for Trafus, and uh, 99.9% of the Shilas you're going to see are not Shilas. But even if there was a true Shilas, even if there was a true Shilas, so that, you know, obviously that is enough uh, to give us the right to chop up the chickens, right? Because we know we already checked the chickens and made sure that they were all kosher. 
Even if there's a true shadow that slipped through. I have to tell you, I think only one time in my entire life have I seen a piece of packaged chicken, meaning that, that, I, that I bought post-kosher, you know, that was sealed up and went through right. the whole thing, that I thought there was a true child of a trafe. The vast majority of the you see are not childless of trafe. So I think what he was saying is very, very interesting. He's saying that uh, maybe if we would have had uh, a bad system, then it wouldn't be appropriate. Maybe it wouldn't be appropriate to cut the pieces. Well, we check some. over. We check over all but the chickens. Check, so thoroughly, up. the chances of anything getting through are very slight. Although I, I know I have a different experience than you, and I have people who had different experiences than even I had. Some people I know went to very prominent rabbis, and one woman used to go regularly every single. She used to buy a case of chickens, and she would go to the rabbi. Always have two or three shilas, and quite often the rabbi, it was a very famous rabbi, he sometimes pronounced it treif. Uh, the rabbis that I've spoken to very rarely says anything is treif. I think one, maybe one time in all my years. There other times he might have said, "There's a little diamond here, remove it or cut this piece off." You're right, but uh, the rest of it's kosher. So I didn't well, have a shilas. A shilas of dam is not a shilas treif. No, no. Uh, and, when, and also, shyly doesn't necessarily mean trafe. Right. No, I realize that. Right. Okay. Thank, thank you very, you very much. much. You could be very confident in the chicken supply. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, another caller. Go ahead. You're unconscious on the air. Go ahead, Hello? please. Yes, go ahead. Hi. Um, I know that Glotmart um, is, like, I considered one of the best tashgachas for meat. I know there's an association between the Star K and the Vatakashas of Flatbush. Can you tell me exactly how the two organizations interact? Or? Well, the, there are many places where you can find two hashgachas uh, on a store. It happens to be that in Glotmart, the Vatakasha Sasapis also certifies, also certifies the store. Uh, the Starcade, the Vatakasha doesn't take responsibility for the Starcade's work, and the Starcade doesn't work, take responsibility for the Vatakasha's work. However, one area that the Vatakashas, uh, Flatbush, and the Starcade do work together extremely closely is, the, is an area that I discussed earlier with regard to meat. When you eat meat in a Vatakashas, a Flatbush facility, it, was, it, it, is, it is always meat that is also acceptable to the Starcade. That means that, that, means that it, it, while a place that's certified by the Vatakashas, a Flatbush, is certified by the Vatakashas, a Flatbush, a place that's certified by the Starcade is certified by the Starcade. But the meat, our meat supply audit program, where we do not take meat unless we check it out, and have personally received Rabbi Heinemann's blessing on it, the Vatakashas of Flatbush cooperates with us on that. And for the most part, uh, the vast, I would say 99.9%, the meat you're going to eat in either place comes from those same approved sources. Again, you're, 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 Rabbi Heinemann, you're talking about all stores that these, the Vada Kashas of Flatbush certifies are using meat that would be acceptable to the Star K. Is that what you're saying? I, I, I believe so, yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we don't, we, we, we're still available. Anybody wants to call in a couple of minutes left? Are we somebody? Okay. Um, I can't figure that one. Oh, this one here. What does behind have to say about Chal of Trefa or Chal of Stam. I don't know, we made a mistake there. Yeah, but behind them, the Star yeah. K is a Chal of Yisrael Hechsher. So any, any Star K on a dairy product is always Chal of Yisrael. Uh, Rabbi Heinemann does not sign a letter of certification if it's Chal of Stam. Uh, we do administrate, on behalf of the National Council of Young Israel, Chal of Stam Hechsherim with a different symbol called the Star D. Uh, but that's not something that Rabbi Heinemann gets involved in. Uh, however, Rabbi Heinemann would never let us Rabbi would never let us be involved with a, any kind of certification uh, that he thought was Adin, not kosher. So, uh, obviously, Rabbi Hanuman holds that Cholostam is kosher. Well, it's just not Cholostam. What about the issue that, you know, that came up 20-something years ago about the, uh, the uh, displaced Abbasim and the operation that's performed where they insert a <sighs> syringe? Does Rabbi Heinemann feel that that doesn't affect Cholostam? Uh, we, take care we, we, we would not, we would not take milk uh, if we felt that the milk supply was considered. Tra- if Rabbi Hanneman felt the milk, right. milk supply was trace, um, the reasons why the milk supply is not considered trace, even though there is a certain percentage of those animals that have 
uh, DA operation is probably more than we can discuss in a, in a radio show, but uh, from a halakhic perspective, uh, the Rav apparently feels that it's mutter. Uh, I can share with you some of the reasons the price can discuss. There's a question of called the parish the parish, where there's bittel, uh, where there's bittel vishishim even. Uh, there's also the, the fact that the, the displaced evaluation may possibly be considered uh, a suffix trefer, not a vada trefer, which adds to, which, add, which, add, which is a sniff to the heta. But uh, suffice to say that if Heinemann doesn't feel that it's considered a trefer, otherwise we, we could not uh, be associated right. with any kind of false thumb right. in any way. So that answers the question? Okay, we have another caller. Go ahead. You're on Kashus on the air. Go ahead, please. You're on the air. Yeah, hello? Go ahead. You're on the air with Rabbi Holland yeah. from the Star uh, K. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say a comment about something else, about the Slurpees that we spoke uh, about a few weeks ago. I thought I was going to get away with that one, one week without discussing that. <laughs> <laughs> it's very popular. People love it. But I was trying to say that on Beverly Hill Road, Beverly Road and Coney Island Avenue, they have the code, like a vanilla taste. They're the only ones that we, we spoke about then that they, if they have a different taste, a different flavor, and it might be, and right now they took over the hash, supposedly. And so I just wanted to say a comment, they should watch out on Beverly Road and Stony Island. They, have, they do have a different taste. They're the only one that had a different taste in the Coca-Cola. So I don't know, maybe somebody should that. Wickler, if I may make a suggestion yeah, I, to, I, I, to, to the listeners. Yeah. If the listeners want to know whether something is certified, take Slurpees, for example, or anything else, very good things that they can do. The first thing is they could check to see either by calling or you could write a letter, you could send an email, maybe check on a website to see if the flavor is certified. And you could also go in the store and look at the, you could ask to look at the, yes, look at the bottle or the box of the, of the, of the stuff that's going into the machine to see, be, be an educated consumer. Maybe you be just, an educated uh, consumer. find out if it's kosher from the agency. And maybe just check explain, what is the, the story, product. what is the story with 7-Eleven stores in Baltimore? Are they 7-Eleven stores in Baltimore? I don't think they're different than any place. The 7-Eleven company, the 7-Eleven company has a pretty strict uh, purchasing program for Slurpees. So we monitor what they buy. And uh, the Star K, while we don't give a hasher on any 7-Elevens, but we share information with people what the 7-Eleven is supposed to be buying. uh, And they have a right to assume that when they go into a store, they see that it's displayed, that that is indeed... Uh, that that is indeed the, the certified thing that they found uh, so, that they found on our list. So you don't but really have certifi- any, you don't have any control on the Seven Elevens in Baltimore. Um, not that I know of. Not that I, I know. Was, but again, I always I always encourage I always encourage consumers. They should go look, go look, go check, go ask, go uh, ask, check for yourself. You know, there's a whole area in Shulchanah. There's in the Kofiyot Zions, I think, over there in Yudea. All kinds of things that at the time, they, uh, at the time the Shulchan was written, they were assumed to be kosher things. And whether or not they are still that way is a different discussion. In the kosher industry, we have, still have them today. They're called group one ingredients, things that are impossible to be not kosher. Rocks, water, etc. There are thousands of them, in fact. You know, here, we don't have to worry about that. These things are certified. You could check on both ends. You could check with the company. We could be Rav Shemineider without actually being Rav Shemineider. So we don't have to be such an effort in that way for cash. You check with the agencies what's certified. You can go into the store and check what they're putting into the machine. And so all you saw, everybody knows what's what. But the idea that, we, that, that seems to be prevalent by many people here in Brooklyn is they walk into the 7-Elevens and they saw a list that's posted from the CRC right. and they claim that since the, the, low, the, the list is posted, so probably that's doing everything in this store is fine. Rabbi Whitler, I, I think that I don't know anybody who yet who has reported that, that not, that's, not, that's not the case. I'm only advocating if somebody's nervous about that, check. But check. they don't do that. That's the I, point. I'm not saying that they have to. I'm not saying that they have to. I'm not saying that they have to. I, I, I don't was, know that anybody ever, I don't know that everybody, anybody ever found uh, 7-Eleven to be serving something that was not kosher. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I could tell you, Reverend Whitman, and I, I want to advocate this to all your listeners. Not everybody, not all Jews live in Brooklyn. I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for 12, for 13, for 12 and a half years, and I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We didn't have the benefit that you have here in Brooklyn 
I happen to be in Brooklyn today, actually. Uh, that you have, that you have, that you have in Brooklyn. So why didn't you come into the studio? Why did I would have had more fun then? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. A casual for myself, <laughs> but we don't, we don't have the, be- we didn't have the benefit that you had. We, we had to be more selfish for things. You know, you, you, if you like, once told the Rosh Hashivas of Tzermi Sari, none of the Rosh Hashivas was ever more selfish for a mechitza, right? But I was. I got into a machlokes who was about the height of a mechitza once. <laughs> you know. So there, there are things, there are things that, you know, the Jews out there, we don't necessarily have the same access to. And now I'll, I think it's wonderful if everything should have a hachsha, but not everything needs a hachsha. There's not everything halakhically the place can feel that we have to be worried about. And even if it doesn't have a hachsha, you could also, if you're nervous, you could check for yourself. I think the boo-ha-ha about slurpees, uh, you know, is a little, bit, a little bit overdone. You know, supposedly it doesn't have a hachsha. Check. Find out. We ran over time, and we'll have to pick it up again next time we get a chance to speak. I thank you very much for joining us, Rabbi Tzvi Holland from the Star K. And uh, we, until next week, this is your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, for Kashris on the Air over J Root Radio. Uh, and uh, we, anybody's interested in reaching us at Kashris Magazine, call 718 336 8544.